14 is here. Welcome into Fantasy Football Today, DFS on Thursday, November... November? It's December 9th. Frank Stanfield joined, as always, by Michael McClure and our champion, Sina Jad. Great start to the podcast here. Week 14, deep dive. We've got each game on the main slate here today. We'll have my dad's sneaky DFS picks later on. And, of course, we will wrap up with our cheat sheet, favorite value, chalk, contrarian, and stack of the week. See how are we feeling about week 14. Everybody is coming for you. In our contest, man. So, Snow, you got well, the you got the target on the back. Well, first of all, uh, I think that is a a good mess up saying it's November. Clearly, you're still caught up in the <laughs> holiday season and Thanksgiving, and I think that's very festive of you. Um, yeah, I guess I guess the target is on my back technically, but not really, right? I'm not winning this thing back to back. I'll tell you this though. Uh, I'm I'm always curious, and I'm, I'm this almost translates to like real sports too. You know, we as a show had a really good week last week, and you go into the next slate, and almost like in in real football, you come off a really good win, and are you overconfident going into it? Are you are you putting in the work? Are you just as analytical, properly analytical as you was the first week or the previous week? I, I, we'll find out, right? I, I'm I'm really excited to see if we can sort of build on some of this momentum. Yeah, no, that I think that. It's an interesting question, and uh, I don't know. Let's get Mike's thought on it. I, I I know that you've studied the psychological aspect of this a lot and obviously uh, a bunch of the biases that we have. So what do you think, Mike? Coming off a big week, do you, uh, are there any studies done with that in DFS? Uh, I wouldn't say there are any studies done. I think it goes back to, honestly, what we talked about in the first few episodes of this podcast. Um, the, the difficult question that I get asked all the time, frankly, is like, when should I move up in stakes? I just had a big win. Should I start playing more? Should I not? And that's when it's important to understand, okay, did I have a big win because I've been having a lot of success every week and my process has been correct and it finally variances in my favor? Or is it just completely luck? I've just been throwing stuff at a wall. You have to understand that and know. But for me, it you know what I win on any given week doesn't change what I'm playing the next week. Um, you know, it'd have to be, a millionaire maker went to like really get me to go play more than I did the week before. So because of that, there's absolutely nothing different for me. I would say for viewers at home and just the average DFS player, I would say that they'll probably experience and get frustrated with things like that because most people will tend to come off of a big win and maybe play a little more aggressively. Um, so I, I would recommend not doing that personally. I would recommend uh, playing the same and that's how you're going to really realize some of the uh the results that you've had mike i also wanted to ask you right like we're here in week 14 your experience playing nfl dfs this late in the season do you start to see some season-long players come over move over to to daily here uh, or anything really change in the the user experience this late in the season uh, I don't think a lot changes in the user experience other than like the field's actually sharper. Um, the reason the field's sharper is because the contests, if you look at like contest sizing, it is smaller now than it was at the beginning of the season. As people lose, they start to drop off and not play as much. Uh, so I think that that doesn't necessarily mean it's harder to win. Uh, I actually like this time of year myself, even though the average lineup score gets better. I think it becomes easier to win in tournaments because as some of the less experienced players are out of there and everyone is getting sharper, using the same kind of information, focusing on what's happened already, the lineups tend to bunch. The ownership tends to bunch. We see extreme ownership like Foster Moreau last week. We ex see extreme ownership in certain positions. So if you're sharp and paying attention to that, while, yes, it is harder to cash with that minimum score, having an upper, you know, 1% to 10% score that's really going to pay off for you, I think becomes easier at this point in the season. Yeah, finding ways to get a little bit more different this late in the season. And we were talking beforehand, uh, Mike has a stance that I think will surprise some people later on in the podcast. Week 14, it is our last week of bye weeks, as I mentioned on Tuesday's podcast. Four teams on a bye, the Colts, the Eagles, the Patriots, and the Dolphins. We do have an 11-game main slate, currently one game projecting for over 50 points in terms of totals this week. That is the Bills at the Bucks. Uh, at 53 and a half, we have three games that are between 48 and 48 and a half points. That's the Cowboys at the Washington football team, the Raiders at Chiefs, and the 49ers at the Bengals. We have two double-digit spreads at this point. The Chargers are minus 10 hosting the Giants, and the Broncos are laying 10 points hosting the Detroit Lions. Let's start with Mike's Chiefs. The Raiders at the Chiefs. KC is nine and a half point favorites, 48 
point total here in this spot. Uh, currently projecting for 16 mile per hour wins in this game. So just something to pay attention to as we get closer to Sunday. For the Raiders, Kenyon Drake placed on injured reserve. Jalen Richard is on the COVID list. So Josh Jacobs all alone here in the backfield. Uh, Darren Waller did not practice again on Thursday. For the Chiefs, right tackle Lucas Nyang and cornerback Rashad Fenton were both limited in practice. Uh, now, if I am reading this correctly, the Chiefs have the highest implied team total on the main slate. They're averaging 19.7 points per game over their last six games. Patrick Mahomes has one touchdown pass or less in five of those. The only one where he didn't do that uh, was against the Raiders, where he threw for five touchdowns. Uh, Tyree Kill had two touchdowns in that game. Travis Kelsey went up over 100 yards. Mike, we'll start with you. How are you handling the Chiefs passing attack and potential game stacks here in this spot? Yeah, I mean, they're definitely someone that I'm going to stack for sure. I'll have Patrick Mahomes to Tyreek Hill. Uh, I like Tyreek now a lot more than I like Kelsey. I like Kelsey a lot still. It's just there's a lot of depth at the tight end position, so I feel that I'm better off stacking Mahomes with Tyreek Hill and playing a different tight end to get a little bit of diversification. Uh, They're somewhat negatively correlated, but they can get there if you want to double stack them. Um, My option, my, my preferred route there if you're double stacking would be Tyreek Hill and either one of the running backs like, with like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire or with Byron Pringle, who is still too cheap on DraftKings. Um, as far as the Raiders side, I, I think you can bring it back a little bit. I mentioned uh, on the Tuesday show, you could actually play Foster Moreau if you wanted to. Uh, I think it would be a really interesting spot to play him as no one's going to. But the problem is his tight end is just absolutely loaded. So if, if I had to have a bring back, it would still be paying that rising price for Hunter Renfro. The target volume is going to be there. We know that they're going to have to pass a lot. But as of right now, because of the value that's opened up across the board, uh, it's looking like more of Kansas City onslaughts with no bring back for me um, rather than truly game stacking it. Yeah, and we've talked about that quite a bunch this season. When we see a spread this big, you don't necessarily have to bring it back on the other side of the game. doesn't mean that it's going to be competitive, right? So we could just see uh, a big score here from the Kansas City Chiefs and potentially the Raiders not keeping up their end of the bargain. See, what do you think about potentially stacking the Chiefs in this spot? And if you are, who are you looking to bring it back with here on the Raiders side of things? Uh, Josh Jacobs, 6,200 over on DraftKings, projecting as one of the higher-owned running backs this week. And I think it makes sense, just given their running back room right now, everything that's happened there, uh, and the fact that he played a bunch of snaps last week, coming off a season-high nine targets for Josh Jacobs. So what do you think about the uh, Chief stacks, and are you bringing it back with anybody? Yeah, as far as Jacobs is concerned, I mean, that target share last week is not an anomaly. It's not like, oh, there was that one game where he got a lot of targets. Over the last three games, 24% target share, 11%, of course, that's not great, and 28%. So they're clearly leaning on him in the passing game way more than anyone expected. And by the way, that was when Kenyon Drake was healthy. So no Kenyon Drake, no Jalen Richard. it looks like. I mean, Jacobs really is the, the true three down back here. So that's great. I think he's a good bring back option. I think Hunter Renfro obviously is a good bring back option, especially when you consider Waller's probably going to be out. I just think from a reliability standpoint, Carr feels so much more comfortable throwing to Hunter Renfro than really anyone on the team. I mean, there's a pretty wide diversification of targets among Edwards, Zay Jones, even Deshaun Jackson, Foster Moreau after you get to Hunter Renfro. So it's like Hunter Renfro is the one and everybody else is the two. So for me, I'll, I'll go ahead and pay that price for Renfro, especially in, in DraftKings where you're getting the PPR value there. The debate between Jacobs and Renfro, I'd probably, if I had to pick one as a runback, I, I would probably go Renfro over Jacobs. As far as the stack on the Kansas City side, <clears throat> I'm just not going to get cute with it. I'm going to go where I think the, the targets are going to be concentrated, and I think that's Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. In this case, I'll probably have a little bit of both of them. I'll probably defer to Kelsey this time, uh, partly because of maybe the wind issues. I think he might be the more kind of leaned on target, but also because it doesn't look like Tyreek Hill is going to be super high owned. And if I can get Travis Kelsey at you know, seven, eight, nine percent, I feel like I'm probably getting a deal. I agree with Mike. There's a lot of value at the tight end position. But in just in terms of pivoting, if I can get Kelsey well under 10%, I'm pretty comfortable with that. Last point here on this game. Mike, you mentioned the name Clyde edwards Elair. If you wanted to stack him uh, with Patrick Mahomes and another pass catcher, what do you think about just using Clyde as a one-off here, potentially as a leverage play if the Chiefs uh, passing attack winds up being popular? I don't know that it's going to be, but Clyde edwards Elair checking in at 6,100 here on DraftKings. 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's an interesting pivot. Uh, you know, straight up, I would not prefer him over someone like Javante um, or, or any of those guys, really. But I do think it's an okay pivot if you want to basically fade the Chiefs' passing attack. Um, I'm more inclined to play him with Mahomes, him, and Tyreek and have the full onslaught. Hope they put up 35 points in this game and, and you're getting, you know, all the touchdown action, hopefully. But, um, it's fine to play on its own. I just you're playing with fire in the red zone with the the Kansas City Chiefs. As far as are you know, is he going to get all the rushing work? Daryl Williams gets a lot of red zone work for them, even when Clyde Edwards-Helaire is active. So I, I do think that the touchdown equity is relatively low. Um, having said that, the only way I would really play him standalone is if I was going to play the Kansas City defense. I think I would absolutely make that correlated play if you were going to play him without Mahomes as part of a stack. Yeah. And there are a lot of running backs in that price range this week on DraftKings between Clyde, Josh Jacobs, Gibson is at 6K. We'll talk about him right now. Uh, Saquon Barkley is at 6K. Javante Williams, you mentioned. So we have five running backs priced within $300 of each other that I think uh, could all garner some ownership this week. We've got a big one in the NL East. The Cowboys at Sears. Red hot Washington football team currently on a four game winning streak. Cowboys four and a half point favorites with a 48 point total here. And all of a sudden, Tony Pollard tore his plantar fascia and will be a game time decision. Cedric Wilson has been limited in practice. Wide receiver Noah Brown has been ruled out. When asked if Amari Cooper will be ready for a full workload in week 14, Mark, Mike McCarthy said, quote, I have no reason to think he's not. For the Washington football team, Logan Thomas is out for the season. Landon Collins and J.D. McKissick did not practice. Uh, Ricky Seals-Jones, Curtis Samuel, Jonathan Allen, and Brandon Scherf were all limited in practice. Uh, Seal, let's start with the Washington football team. Antonio Gibson mentioned his name right in this price range. Still not high enough. 6K. Uh, looks like, as of now, J.D. McKissick is not going to play in this game. But, man, Gibson is just seeing so many touches uh, and red zone opportunities. Second in the NFL uh, over their past four games in uh, terms of red zone opportunities behind only Jonathan Taylor. So he's doing everything that we want from a running back in fantasy. Yeah, and by the way, you just said the NL East, which I just love as the host of the baseball podcast. We're what, I, what, I what wrote, are we, two I, months removed from baseball? I, I wrote NL I East on the rundown too. Like, <laughs> what, I, I, this, ha, this has happened multiple times this year. Cardinals, I Diamondbacks. It's, I was going to say, I can't wait till we get to the Diamondbacks game. But uh, no, listen. <laughs> I, so this one's really interesting because I, I certainly think you can make the argument to stack this game on the other side of the ball and bring it back with Gibson, who's clearly going to be the workhorse three down back. You know, a Dak stack with CD Lamb and bringing it back with Antonio Gibson or maybe even a double stack. You want to get super kind of contrarian with like a Dalton Schultz and you bring it back with either Antonio or Terry McLaurin. All of that makes sense. For me, I think I want pieces of this game. And the only reason I I, I I'm less inclined to stack it is because I think the only way Washington wins this game is if they do what they did against Tampa and they just run the ball and they run the clock and they just feature Antonio Gibson and, and that is actually successful for them. So I like Antonio Gibson a lot in this game. You're right. 6K is not high enough. He should be at this point. He should be like 6,600, 6,500 minimum in my opinion. So you're definitely getting a value there. Three down back, no, nothing more to say other than what you just said from a stat standpoint. I do think they might be able to run the ball. And honestly, with all the pass rushers healthy for Dallas, I mean, we're talking about Lawrence, Gregory, uh, Micah Parsons is an absolute menace. Like, they're going to need to keep them at bay by successfully establishing the run. So hopefully, as a Washington football team fan, they can do that. Give me Gibson on that side. Maybe take a shot at McLaurin if, if you just... If, I, mean, I think McLaurin can beat anybody, uh, so I think he's an okay play. And then on the other side, I mean, we can talk about that, but obviously that there's plenty of pieces there on the Dallas side to pull. What, how are you feeling about the tight end situation here? See, you think it's going to be, is RSJ back? Uh, is it John Bates? Yeah, I, I don't. It's too bad I don't have my black headband on me. Uh, <laughs> I don't think Ricky Seals Jones is going to be back. That's okay. just my gut tells me that with this hip issue, they're going to give him another week. If he is back, to me, it's a situation to avoid. Maybe he split snaps with Bates. Uh, it's just not something I'm super interested in. If 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 Seals Jones was like 3K flat like Bates is, I'd be more interested in him. But at 3600, knowing that he has a little bit of an injury and and he certainly hasn't gotten a full practice in. Uh, it's a no for me. Dalton Schultz is always in play, but honestly, if you looked at his target share last week and knowing that, which was low, by the way, knowing that CeeDee Lamb, Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup is really starting to emerge, 
I feel like Schultz might be kind of the odd man out here, and I don't want to have to pick among all these targets unless I'm focusing on C.D. Lamb alone. All right. Uh, yeah, so if RSJ is out, I think John Bates becomes viable. He is 3K, so if you're looking at spending down at tight end this week, I think someone that you can consider for cash games. Obviously, Antonio Gibson uh, in consideration for cash games as well. Mike, what do you think about the other side here? Uh I haven't really heard a lot about Dak Prescott this week, just in terms of DFS. Like, obviously, we have the quarterbacks all the way up, Josh Allen, Tom Brady. I think those guys will be popular. And then you can go all the way down with Taysom Hill and Cam Newton. Not really much love for the middle middle here, but I like Dak Prescott. He's 6,700 on DraftKings and very easily stackable with CeeDee Lamb, uh, Amari Cooper. If you wanted to just get all the Cowboys in this game, if Tony Pollard is out, Ezekiel Elliott is 7,300. He's going to have this backfield to himself. So how are you feeling about the Cowboys side of things? Yeah, I feel pretty good about it, honestly. Uh, I'm very interested in Dak at the current levels, around 5% owned, about the 6th or 7th most popular quarterback. I can definitely get behind that there. Uh, I love CeeDee Lamb. CeeDee Lamb is not projecting as being popular enough uh, for his skill set. So I do like CeeDee Lamb. I do like the natural bringbacks you get there with Gibson, who's going to be a core piece of most lineups out there, and for good reason. Uh, So I am very interested in doing it there. I could play CeeDee Lamb as a one-off as well. Um, you know, look, I, I think that Noah Brown being out obviously helps just a little bit. If Pollard's out, it helps a little bit. They can Zeke, they have to throw a little more. It projects as a game where Dak's going to throw 40 times again. So I, I definitely, if we get the game script where Dak has to throw the football 40 times, you can bet that at least 10 to 15 of those, literally 15 of those targets are going to CeeDee Lamb. So mm-hmm. it, it should be another double digit target share day for CeeDee Lamb. It's just a matter of, you know, are they connecting and what kind of yards after catch does he get? Because with that target volume, uh, you know, he's got 150 yards to touchdown upside in this matchup pretty easily. Yeah, let me just say one other thing, too. You know, go, going back to some of the sort of casual NFL DFS players have, have maybe fallen off, maybe not, but maybe fallen off. And you're getting what Mike referred to as, you know, high concentration among a lot of these popular plays like a Foster Moreau last week, for example. You know, Washington is getting the benefit of a very good defensive reputation, at least over the last four weeks. I mean, obviously, if you look it up and, you know, DraftKings, it's going to be a nice matchup for Dallas. But I think everybody kind of knows that Washington's playing some really good defense lately. And therefore, you see a depression of ownership with guys like Dak Prescott and CeeDee Lamb. But when you really think about it, the Washington defense, especially their secondary, it's not very good. I mean, they're, they're playing above above a level anybody would have expected, especially on the back end, and especially without Chase Young and Montez Sweat, and they won't have either of them. This is a really good spot. Again, I know I just said Gibson might milk the clock and all that stuff, but this is a really good spot to grab Dak Prescott and, and stack him in, in, in a bring back in a game where if Washington had a bad week last week defensively, they'd have twice the ownership and we know how capable they are. So it's just something to think of if that ownership is going to be low, cause everybody's going to Tom Brady or Josh Allen or, or Patrick Mahomes. It's literally a perfect time to actually take Dak right now. Yeah. I, I think a few good points there from Yusia. And for the people that played the Raiders passing attack last week, Hunter Renfro was fine, but for anyone who used Derek Carr, they might've seen that matchup against Washington. And now they're taking a little bit of a step back. Like, all right, Let's not attack Washington there. I think in general, they've done a good job of hiding this defense by playing ball control, running the ball mm-hmm. a ton with Antonio Gibson. So we haven't really seen teams expose them recently uh, Recently on the defensive side of things, but it's a really good point that you bring up. And look, for all the reasons that you mentioned, Mike, uh, liking CeeDee Lamb and this passing attack, I like Amari Cooper. Uh, again, like whenever the discrepancy in their price, CeeDee Lamb and, and Cooper is this much, 1300 on DraftKings, I'm going to be interested. Uh, he's been a full go in practice, so I, I do like him quite a bit. And they're both right around 5 or 6% ownership this upcoming week. These next four early games all have a game total under 44 points, starting with the Jaguars at the Titans. The Titans are 8.5-point favorites with a 43.5-point total. James Robinson, Miles Jack, and center Brandon Linder did not practice Thursday. There was a report that James Robinson and Jack are expected to have every Thursday practice off for the rest of the season as part of load management. So keep that in mind. Don't be too alarmed. Uh, For the Titans, Julio Jones activated off IR and was at practice so far this week, as was running back Jeremy McNichols, cornerback Jackrabbit Jenkins, and linebacker David Long did not practice. Despite the Titans having the fourth highest uh, team total on the slate, I just really do not like much here. So Mike, I'll throw it your way. 
Maybe Julio Jones, he's like that middling price tag, 5,400. I just don't think the Titans want to throw the ball all that much in this spot. And if they're running and they have McNichols active, we could see all three of the running backs involved here between Dontrell Hilliard, Tianta Foreman, and uh, Jeremy McNichols. So it could be a mess there. Yeah, it definitely could be a mess there. Uh, there's a wide range of outcomes on how they score the points. Uh, they could easily have a defensive touchdown at home against the Jaguars. Like It's definitely well within the possibilities here. So I'm not super interested. The only play that I have any interest in the game, frankly, is LaCron Treadwell. Um, I think he's a very, very interesting pivot, and I think he's a lot less necessary now because of the Chargers situation, or at least what we anticipate to be the Chargers situation. So... Um, you know, I'll mention Treble. I fine if you want to plug him in there, if you want to make a pivot uh, from one of the Chargers value wide receivers. But other than that, I very comfortably get away from this game because just like this game being low owned, the other game that I've told you guys pre-show that I'm very high on is also going to be very low owned. And I'm a lot more excited about it. All right. Uh, on the Jag side, Mike mentioned Laquan Treadwell. I, I think he's in play 3,400. He has 13 targets over their last two games. James Robinson, the price tag is coming down. It's 5,800 on DraftKings, 6,400 on FanDuel, but big underdogs, banged up, dealing with this heel and knee injury. It's it's a rough spot for for James Robinson. James O'Shaughnessy, if you need a punt tight end, he, he's still just 2,900. See, what do you think about this game in general, Titans and Jags? Yeah, not much to say about this game, other than, by the way, good for Laquan Treadwell, because as of a year ago, I think the the conventional wisdom was maybe this guy was going to be out of the league. And we know what he did. I believe it was at Ole Miss. He got drafted high by the Vikings. Probably a a bad pick considering his lack of athleticism. But, yeah, I mean, nice comeback, kid. Like, that's great. Uh, On the other side, like, so so it's it's a nothing for me with Jacksonville. I will say this. Let's wait to see if we get more clarity on the running back situation. My gut tells me Deontay Foreman is going to be the most valuable guy because he's likely to be in there on first and second down, whereas McNichols and Dontrell Hilliard – could be eating each other's lunch, so to speak. So I think it's Deontay Foreman or nothing, but I'd like to see if we get some clarity just from the coaching staff in terms of who's going to get the run there. I enjoyed your nice comeback, kid. It's like an old school coach kind of thing. I feel like you need like a cigar like popped out of the side of your mouth or something like that. Nice comeback, kid. I hated myself as soon as I said it because it sounded like so <laughs> condescending. But I'm a lot older than Laquan Treadwell, so I felt like I could get away with it. But I don't know. Maybe if he was listening, he'd be like, who are you calling kid? I don't, and he obviously listens, right? I mean, these, these guys listen. To oh, yeah. yeah. Everyone listens. Yeah. Uh, let's, move on, let's move on to this next one. The Ravens at the Browns. The Browns are two and a half point favorites with a 43 point total here. And star cornerback Marlon Humphrey for the Ravens was placed on IR. Their right tackle, Patrick McCarry, did not practice on Thursday. For the Browns, David Njoku on the COVID list and is doubtful. Tight end Harrison Bryant has already been ruled out with an ankle injury. Jarvis Landry returned to practice on Thursday after missing Wednesday. This is a huge game in the AFC North uh, and a chance for the Browns to make up some ground here. But let's start on the Ravens side, who, like the Chiefs, have struggled on offense recently. Baltimore is averaging just 15.3 points per game over their last four games. Lamar Jackson has just three touchdown passes with six interceptions during that span. Of course, he didn't play one of those games, was dealing with, I believe it was a stomach illness at the time. Uh, How are we handling the Ravens side of things? Uh, The last game between these two teams finished 16 to 10. Mike, we'll start with you. All right. Well, I will take the over on the final score of 16 to 10 uh, this time around. But I love Lamar Jackson this week. Um, And when I say love Lamar Jackson this week, everything that I talk about always has to incorporate how popular the player will be on the slate by the public that is playing against me. I'm projecting Lamar Jackson for under 3% ownership this week. And I like how competitive this game projects to be. So in these competitive type games, when they're truly must-win games, and this one is likely a, I mean, they're they're all very important in this division the rest of the way, but I want to call this one a must-win game, especially depending on the result of what happens tonight on Thursday Night Football with the Pittsburgh Steelers playing. But when that happens, Lamar tends to run the football more. And when Lamar's running the football, that thoroughly raises his floor. It also helps open up some of the passing game for some of those deeper shots if he is having success on the ground. So you're really just taking that leverage and applying it. It's a higher it, – I'm trying to think of the right way to describe it. It is a it is a high-variance approach because if he's not having any success running, they're likely not scoring the ball at all, and he's going to score eight fantasy points, right? 
But if he does have success on the ground, he's going to approach 100 yards. It's going to allow him to have those deeper shots down the field. And we might have the Lamar ceiling game at 30 fantasy points, um, which we've seen from him a number of times. And that's what I'm projecting for here. I think it's a great spot, much like Dak Prescott. Um, I, I like the leverage that you can get here. I love the stacking with someone like Mark Andrews, who's not going to be that popular because of Kittle, Kelsey, Gronk, uh, all those guys at the tight end position here. And then I like Hollywood Brown. Uh, I, I think it's a good spot for him to get behind the defense. And then bringing it back, Jarvis Landry, uh, 18 targets in the last two games. Now two of the only other players that he's really going to compete with for some of those bigger third down conversion plays being David Njoku, Harrison Bryant, no longer on the field. So I'm very excited about that for him. Uh, I think that they kind of understood from the day off, essentially. I think the knee is fine. Um, and I, I love the stack and bring back. I love the price points on all of them. You're still saving $600 on Lamar from Patrick Mahomes. So I will be playing Lamar Jackson, Mark Andrews, Jarvis Landry. Pretty interesting scheduling here. I just realized the last game the Browns played was against the Ravens in that game where they lost 16 to 10. That was before their bye week. So they get a week off. They just played the Ravens and now they, they play them again. Jarvis Landry was really good in that game. He went six for 111, so uh, definitely worth mentioning that as well. See, what do you think about potentially stacking Lamar Jackson in this spot? Mark Andrews, I do like quite a bit. He's 5,900, his first time under 6K on DraftKings since way back in week 10. Uh, and obviously, on the Brown side of things, we have Landry, who's affordable. I mentioned Kareem Hunt on Tuesday. I think maybe he can get more involved here with the tight ends who are out in this game. And speaking of tight ends... Austin Hooper is the only one left. He's 3,400. So what do you think about uh, potentially stacking this entire game with a 43-point total? I think it's a smart play. It's not going to be my favorite stack. But again, we we started the show talking about, hey, it's we're at the time of the season where a pivot is really important. We know where the quarterback shares are going to go. They're going to go to Mahomes. They're going to go to Josh Allen. They're going to go to Brady, uh, Dak. The, you know, so there's uh, maybe Taysom Hill. Maybe Cam Newton gets some shares. People are just going to ignore Lamar Jackson, and for good reason. I totally get it. The guys look confused. You know, when he when he goes back to to pass, I mean, you know, we saw it with the Dolphins a few weeks ago. They're just running zero blitz, and and the offensive coordinator and Lamar Jackson, they just can't figure it out. And that's what a lot of teams are doing. But I love I love Mike's point about you know desperation mode and what Lamar does in that because we saw it last year. If you recall, they had a similar amount of injuries on their offensive line like they like they do this year. And when their backs were against the wall, Lamar just kind of took over. So I think we're at a point in the season where we might actually see that again. It's not going to be a top two or three stack for me necessarily, but I'm definitely going to do it. And and, and when I do it. It's going to be with Marquise Brown, and it's going to be with Mark Andrews. There's really nobody else to consider. The concentration share is is literally, I mean, it's it's on those two guys. Like the Rashad Bateman experiment is over. Duvernay's passing him in terms of target share at this point. And I love the Jarvis Landry uh, bring back. I think it's a super smart play. Uh, he's going to get all the targets. He's an extension of the running game, uh, and there's really nobody else to compete with him for for volume when it comes to the passing game see you real quick any interest in Devontae freeman i know that it's like yeah it's 2021 and we're talking about Devontae freeman in december this is crazy but he's 5700 he has 17 touches in three straight games just coming off a game with eight targets any interest at his price tag I don't think so. I think if he was like 5,300 or 5,200, I might try to make it work. But at 5,700, we're going to see a lot. Of, I mean, listen, we got Javante Williams at 5,900. We have Gibson at 6,000. There's there's plenty of guys in the mid 5K range that we'll talk about that are that are pretty strong. As far as like, oh, you do it because it's a pivot off some popular guys. I still kind of don't like it because I think if, if the Ravens are going to be successful, it's going to be on the back of Lamar Jackson. All right, let's move on to the Saints at the Jets. The Saints are five and a half point favorites here on the road with a 43 point total. All three of Mark Ingram, Ty Montgomery, and defensive end Cameron Jordan were placed on the COVID list this week. Alvin Kamara and Taysom Hill were full participants in practice and are on track to play this Sunday. Wide receiver Deontay Harris, not an injury situation, but has been suspended for three games. For the Jets, Corey Davis's season is over as he is dealing with a groin injury. Elijah Moore dealing with a quad, did not practice on Wednesday or Thursday. Tevin Coleman is in concussion protocol. Ryan Griffin did not practice. Linebacker CJ Mosley did not practice. So a lot going on here uh, with both of these teams. 
Let's start with Alvin Kamara. He's 7,900, uh, set to return to the best matchup that you can have as a running back with his lowest price tag of the season with a backfield all to himself. Maybe not if you count Taysom Hill. Uh, we know Taysom Hill's going to run quite a bit as well. Uh, but I, I, I think I like both of these guys. I think they're going to be pretty popular. I think they're both cash game viable, Taysom Hill and Alvin Kamara. Uh, Mike, what do you think? Because I, I think that we could see with more news coming out about Ty Montgomery on the COVID list, this Alvin Kamara ownership is, is probably going to climb quite a bit. Yeah, it's going to climb quite a bit, and for good reason. Uh, I really do like him. Uh, if I play Taysom Hill, I'm probably stacking him with Alvin Kamara because we know that both of them are going to run. We know that it's going to be the Alvin Kamara show um, as long as he's healthy and ready to go, and I think that he is. I think he could have played in a, in a previous week if he really wanted to. Um, I don't think Taysom's going to be able to throw the ball down the field. I think that's the only injury concern with him. Now that you take Harris out of there, I, I think it's going to be a heavy dose of Alvin Kamara, Taysom Hill. Uh, they're going to get very creative there. So if you think the, the Saints are going to have some success, like you mentioned, it is the best team for them to possibly be playing. Um, you know, any other team, and they may not be favored by five or whatever they're up to now, but uh, in, in this spot, they're still favorites. Uh, we expect a pretty competitive game here and a lot of volume, a lot of usage. And the thing that I love about it when you stack both of them is, yes, the price point isn't super, like it's not, it doesn't scream obvious value at 7,900. But when you stack seventy nine hundred with a fifty six hundred dollar price tag, all of a sudden it becomes pretty appropriate and one that's not really breaking the bank. So definitely a situation where if I'm playing Taysom, I'm personally going to play him with Alvin Kamara. See, are you looking at anything else in this game, or is it really just Taysom Hill and Alvin Kamara? We have some cheap Saints available here uh, with Deontay Harris now out. Uh, Elijah Moore is fifty nine hundred. If he can't go while he's dealing with this injury, we have Jamison Crowder down at forty seven hundred. Tevin Coleman, if he can't go, we have Ty Johnson at 4,400. But mm -hmm. I, I I just think that the efficiency for the Jets offense, if you take Elijah Moore out of it, it's just going to be even worse than it already is. Yeah, I mean, I, as much as I want to do the Ty Johnson experiment again, <laughs> uh, I don't think I'm going to come around against, again, yeah. I don't think I'm going to come around against the Saints uh, just because I, I respect that rush defense. They did great against Dallas outside of one great run by the Dallas Cowboys' best running back, Tony Pollard. Listen, here's the thing. I think I think there's a couple interesting things here. I, I like Taysom Hill and Alvin Kamara, but I don't mind because of the Jets secondary a punt on Traquan Smith. Not even necessarily as a as a stack with Taysom, although that might work too. But I think if you wanted to get contrarian, I think that could work because with Deontay Harris out, I, I really think he's the go-to guy in this offense from a passing game standpoint. On the other side of the ball, the only guy I want to even mention, if Elijah Moore is out, if I think Keelan Cole at 3,100 might be a really smart punt. He was on the field running a lot of routes two weeks ago. Then he had COVID. And when you when you see what they have left, I mean, compared to Denzel Mims, Braxton Berrios, um, Jeff Smith, he's clearly the next reliable guy after Jamison Crowder if Elijah Moore is out. So I know that, that's a lot of sort of um, contingencies there. But at 3,100, I think he's somebody to consider when you know that the Jets are probably going to be uh, passing the ball quite a bit in the second half in particular. All right. Uh, before we hit the break, I want to remind everyone you can play against us over on DraftKings this week. $5 to join the contest, 150 entries. The top 15 gets paid out. You can find the link in the podcast and the YouTube description. See ya. We're coming for you, man. We can't let you do it two weeks in a row. Make sure to join that contest if you want to compete against us. We're going to take a quick break. We've got five, five games down, six more to go. We'll do it here. Fantasy Football Today, DFS. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
All right, we got the Falcons at the Panthers. The Panthers are two and a half point favorites with a 42 point total. And on the Falcons side of thing, two pieces of their secondary, uh, Fabian Moreau and Richie Grant return to practice on Thursday. And for the Panthers, their two starting guards, John Miller and Michael Jordan, did not practice on Thursday. Cam Newton is just 5,400 on DraftKings. The last time we saw him, he was on the bench in the fourth quarter of their Week 12 game against the Dolphins. It is a solid matchup. There's no Christian McCaffrey. The team just fired their offensive coordinator, Joe Brady. uh, And now Matt Rule is talking about running the ball even more. So, Mike, what do you think about Cam? What do you think about him in relation to Taysom Hill since they're similar prices? Well, um, if running the ball more involves Cam Newton running the football, I like it a lot. If running the ball more does not involve Cam Newton running the football 12, 15 times a game, I I don't like it at all because it's simply removing his upside and throwing the football down the field, um, which which he may not, you can argue he doesn't have a ton of upside doing that anyway. But um, it it just comes down to how popular he's going to be for me, right? So if I'm getting to the point where Cam Newton's projecting as the number one or number two most popular quarterback, uh, I think it's a situation where I'm very comfortable fading it. Um, if he's not, then I, I have some interest in playing it. But right now, I have him projecting as a top two to three option. It's Taysom Hill, Cam Newton, Justin Herbert. Uh, and, and then you've got Allen, Brady, Mahomes, those guys right there. So I, I'm probably not going to get there on Cam. Uh, I totally understand it. If I were to play him, I would still ignore the coach speak and stack him with DJ Moore is what I would do uh, with Christian McCaffrey being out. Um same reason I mentioned on Taysom Hill and Alvin Kamara. DJ Moore, his upside is increased significantly with Christian McCaffrey off the field, especially in the red zone. And then the price point, 6,200, pairing them with what? what is Cam, 5,400. Mm-hmm. Uh, that stack works. Like You can get there. It doesn't kill you. Um, you don't have to have the ceiling day. Any sort of median-type projection day, the rest of your lineup can easily recover and make up for it. So. Uh, as of right now, though, I'm out on it just because of uh, my stance on Lamar and where the projected ownership is. If something drastically changes and he falls to like fifth highest owned, then I'll, I'll gladly jump back in. But as of right now, I, I don't want much of Cam Newton when he's the most popular quarterback. Yeah, DJ Moore, that's what's standing out to me with, with ownership, currently projecting as the highest owned wide receiver on the slate. The price tag is fine, 6,200. He has at least seven targets in each game this season, but... With all this talk about them wanting to run the ball more, I just I don't know how much volume is going to be there, how good that volume is going to be. Uh, last time we saw Cam Newton, didn't look very good passing the ball. See, what do you think uh, about Cam? What do you think about the rest of the Panthers here in the spot? Obviously, DJ Moore just talked about him. CMC out for the year. Chuba Hubbard is 5,900 on DraftKings. Amir Abdullah is 4,800, and he had six targets back in Week 12. And they seem to like him quite, quite a bit, especially when it comes to throwing him the football. So at his price tag, I don't think it's egregious. It's certainly not egregious. The problem is I'd prefer this be a negative game script for Carolina if I was going to take Amir Abdullah. So I'm probably going to be out on him because I agree with you. I think they like Amir Abdullah, which to me makes Chuba Hubbard's uh, – the potential that he's going to have a smash game, I think it's kind of low because both those guys are going to be playing. I think I like Cam in cash, just running him solo, naked. Uh, without anybody, just because you're almost getting that Gardner Minshew thing, which is, if you recall, on the Tuesday show, I ran him naked as well, and it worked out, and, and I got the sort of the price reduction at quarterback. I was able to do a lot of different things. I think if I was going to do a stack, I agree with Mike. It's Cam to DJ Moore. He's gonna Cam's gonna have a lot of time to pass because Atlanta doesn't create a pass rush, so it is a really good spot for Cam Newton to both rush and pass the ball. So. This is kind of his last stand, too. Coming off a bye, it's actually a pretty good situation for Cam Newton. It's probably going to be the best situation, really, maybe for the rest of his career in terms of his potential DFS value. Um, With that said, you know, I'm not going to be rostering him all over the place. On the other side of the ball, I I don't really think I like much here at all. I liked Russell Gage a lot last week, but his price has gone up by 400. The, The game script isn't going to be nearly as good. The expected points aren't nearly as good. So it's just not a place to uh, chase points there. Yeah, I think the last play that I'll mention in this game is the Panthers' defense. They're 2,800 and, and looking like a strong play. Probably going to be pretty popular as well. But if we're looking for a decent price defense for cash games this week, I think the Panthers certainly make a good amount of sense. The last of the early games is Seahawks at the Texans. The Seahawks are 8.5-point favorites with a 41-point total, the lowest on the main slate. Safety Jamal Adams is out for the season with a shoulder injury. DK Metcalf and safety Quandre Diggs did not practice on Wednesday. 
Travis Homer and Alex Collins were limited. For the Texans, Tyrod Taylor is dealing with a torn ligament in his wrist. Davis Mills is expected to start. Um, Mike, I think we're just looking at the Seahawks here, really. It's Tyler Lockett, 6700 DK Metcalf is $200 less. I've mentioned multiple times, I think this foot injury is actually worse than he's been leading on, and we've seen this now multiple weeks now, uh, where on Wednesday, he's just not practicing. And a lot of veterans get days off, but... He's not really a veteran. He's you know he's kind of young in his prime. So I just think this foot injury is pretty bad for him. Maybe if you need a punt play, Rashad Penny is forty eight hundred. Uh, Gerald Everett. It's a really good matchup. I know he was a mess last week dropping that touchdown, but he's pretty cheap at thirty five hundred. So uh, do you have any interest in the Seahawks here? I could have interest if you're playing a lot of lineups for sure. Um, I very open about the fact that I only play five. So only playing five lineups, I'm not getting to this. But if I were someone playing like say a 20 max tournament or something like that, I I love Russell Wilson to Tyler Lockett. Um, it, it's a really great price point. I believe Russ is down to 6,600. Uh, not only is he low at 6,600, a positive environment after the win. Now they get a very friendly matchup. Um, you get that low price point and Low projected ownership. I have him right around the Lamar range. I'd be under 5% owned uh, on this slate. So playing one of the worst defenses in the league, and, and frankly, their team isn't that good either. So the game could remain competitive, could turn into some sort of a a, a poor man shootout, if you will. So, um, yeah, I think you could do a lot worse than stacking Russ to Tyler Lockett, ignoring the bring back, and then that's going to give you enough differentiation in the rest of your lineup to uh, go take something down. Go ahead, see no, that's it. I, honestly, I was just going to say what he said because I don't think I don't have any interest anywhere else. I don't want to waste anybody's yeah. time. Obviously, the Houston side, there's just other than maybe Brandon Cooks, there's really nothing to look at. And I agree, if I was going to stack this game, it would be Russ to Tyler Lockett as opposed to Russ and anybody else. All right, let's get on to the afternoon slate and the most popular game on the slate this week the Bills at the Bucks. The Bucks are three and a half point favorites with a 53 and a half point total, the highest on the main slate. And for the Bills, defensive tackle star Latulale was limited in practice. Uh, tight end Tommy Sweeney did not practice. And their linebacker, A.J. Klein, was placed on the COVID list. For Tampa Bay, safety Jordan Whitehead and center Ryan Jensen did not practice on Thursday. Cornerback Jamel Dean is currently in concussion protocol. As I normally do for these extremely popular games, I'm just going to turn it over to you guys and find out how you're looking to stack this game. If you're looking to stack this game, I, I think you have to just given the total uh, and and how much it how much higher it is than every other game. So, see, we'll start with you. We've got awesome quarterbacks. We've got great wide receivers in this game, and suddenly one of the best running backs for fantasy in the game in Leonard Fournette. Yeah, it's very interesting. But uh, as usual, I'll probably be ignoring Leonard Fournette and just going for the Tom Brady stack. I mean, you know, we do this, our favorite stacks at the end of the show, among other favorite things that we have for our cheat sheet. And I, I'm afraid to say I'm just going to have to go back to Tom Brady. I'm not super intimidated by this Bills defense, especially considering two things. One is they've had a pretty weak schedule overall. And two, they don't have Tredavious White. So I think it's going to be Tom Brady gunning for that MVP uh, to Mike Evans, to Chris Godwin, to Rob Gronkowski. Fournette's definitely going to get into the mix, but you know, it's it's one of those things. Do I want to stack Tom Brady with Leonard Fournette? Probably not. I'll probably want to do it with one or two pass catchers like I did last week. I, I love I love Godwin. I mean, what did he get? 17 targets last week? He caught Career high. Them. Career it's, highs in both, yeah. It's insane. Now, keep something in mind, though. Over the last three games, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin's target share have been virtually the same. So, so like, don't use a one week sample size as sort of your um, as sort of your north star here. So, I think Mike Evans is a pretty smart pivot because he'll probably be lower owned, and of course, he's five hundred less on DraftKings. But, and I think Rob Gronkowski is definitely in play yet again. For me, it'll probably be a single stack this weekend with with Tom Brady and Godwin or Tom Brady and Mike Evans. Both of these teams play at a fast pace. This really, truly could be a, a nice back and forth. So give me Tom to, to Godwin, maybe a double stack. I'll probably not be on Leonard Fournette. All right. Yeah, we've got some pretty popular tight ends in this game, too. Guys that have been great for us all season long. Gronk now priced all the way up to 6K. He has at least 71 yards or a touchdown in each of the past three games since he returned from injury. Dawson Knox, I know he had that brutal game on Monday Night Football, but has multiple red zone targets in three straight games as well. Within this offense, that is a super valuable role to have. So at 5K, 
I think that he's in play as well. Uh, Mike, I, I like double stacks on the Bills side of things too. I know it gets a little bit expensive when you go uh, when you go J- Josh Allen to Diggs and Dawson Knox. You bring it back with a Mike Evans or Chris Godwin. I, I was fooling around with it earlier. I mean, you really got to... You'll, you'll get the Chiefs, uh, I mean, the Chargers wide receivers in there, one of them at least, or a Laquan Treadwell. Uh, but it, it does make things pretty tough, even with it, uh, even with the price tags. I, I still do like it quite a bit. Yeah, no, I mean, you have to like it. It's really good game environment overall. Uh, number of weapons targets are mostly concentrated. Uh, check the boxes. So, yeah, super interested there. I, I'll be interested in Leonard Fournette again, frankly. Uh, I'm questioning how good the Bills defense really is in terms of the run defense. Uh, you know, early in the year, we've talked about how great it was. Uh, the last few games have really hurt it. They've fallen to 12th with an average of 107 yards given up on the ground in those games. However, in their last three, that number balloons to 176 yards rushing per game. Um, and the troubling thing about that is, is they played two teams where they knew that they were going to be defending against the run. Yes, one of them is Jonathan Taylor. You know Jonathan Taylor is getting carries, right? We just played the Patriots. Um, we knew every, they, they, the Patriots threw the ball three times the entire game. They, they knew they were going to run the football, and they just got absolutely destroyed over that. Um, so, yeah, I like Leonard Fournette again, uh, even at 7,400. like Gronkowski. I like Godwin. Uh, I, if you want to play Mike Evans, I think it's a fine pivot. The issue with that pivot is, at least that I've found in my long, you know, over a decade of playing DFS now, the game, when it becomes too popular, it loses some of its allure as a good pivot because you're mm-hmm. pivoting to something that's still approaching double-digit ownership. So, like, arguably, even if, even if say, Godwin was, like, 17% and you're pivoting to, to Evans at 9 to 10%, while it is a drop in ownership, it's really not getting drastically different. So I'd rather just play who I believe to be the better player, which is Chris Godwin, in, in that spot. Um, on the Buffalo side, I mean... To be honest with you, the reason why we all like this game makes me love my stance on Lamar Jackson just because if you like Tom Brady, you have the natural bringbacks with Diggs and all the and Knox and all that. If you like the other side, you have those natural bringbacks. And the contrarian thing that most players do is take the side you like in the game and then for the contrarian build, use the opposing quarterback and, and build that way. So the ownership kind of builds off of each other on both sides here, which is why I'm getting such depressed numbers on Lamar. Um, so I'm, I'm going to have one-offs in this game, but I honestly don't think I'll have either quarterback in this game. Uh, I think that I'll pair my players that everyone else is stacking uh, with some of my other stacks. And I wanted to add in there, I, I, I agree with you, Frank. This is a, certainly a good game to stack on the Josh Allen side of it. But I also think this might be a good spot to play Josh Allen standalone without any of his receivers because he can certainly go off. But we've seen that like the target share, especially the red zone target share, it, it can really go several different ways with Stefan Diggs, Dawson Knox, Cole Beasley, even Gabriel Davis got, you know, got a got a invite to the party last week a couple different times. So I, I just think that this is one of those situations where you could grab Josh Allen and then bring it back with like Chris Godwin or Leonard Fournette or something like that. And you you get shares of both sides. I can tell you when I was in a single entry, what my my best week last last year, it was like early in the early in the years, maybe like week three or week four, and it was a Josh Allen lineup with nobody stacked with them. So for those of you that haven't listened to us, you know, this whole season or didn't listen to our preseason shows, that is absolutely workable in a GPP. And so just keep it in mind as a potential option if you're not sure who to pair Josh Allen with. And I think it's not to the same extent, but it is similar to the Cardinals, how they have so many different receivers and they have running backs catching the ball and now Zach Ertz there. They spread the ball around a lot. The Bills do it as well. I, they still have their alpha and, and Stefan Diggs who gets 25% of the target share, but they do. They, they get other people involved. And, and of course, Josh Allen runs the ball quite a bit as well. So that, that definitely helps when playing a quarterback by himself. That's the thing. That, yeah. that, that's really important. But what's also really important is that Sean Murphy Bunting and Carlton Davis are going to be healthy in this game. So they, they, I'm not saying they're going to take digs out or anything like that. But like you, you could absolutely see Josh Allen going to his third or fourth option, whether that's Dawson Knox or Emmanuel Sanders. And he could have a great game with with four total touchdowns, but you're not sure where it's going. So I, I think Josh Allen standalone naked is, is a pretty smart play this particular week. All right, let's move on to the 49ers at the Bengals. The 49ers are one-and-a-half-point favorites with a 48-and-a-half-point total. And Elijah Mitchell, dealing with a knee injury as well as a concussion, did not practice on Wednesday or Thursday. Debo Samuel worked off to the side 
at, at practice on Thursday, which does not sound great for his status. Uh, Jeff Wilson returned and was practicing in full. Or uh, it was either limited or full. I didn't see that, but he was at practice. For the Bengals, Joe Mixon did not practice Thursday with a non-COVID illness. T. Higgins was at practice after missing Wednesday's action. There's a lot up in the air right now in this game, but Mike, let's just say that Eli Mitchell is out. We get Jeff Wilson at 4,400. The last time we played him, there was no Jermichael Hasty. Jermichael Hasty is going to be active for this game. He is 4K. So is it one of those where you just kind of stay away from both of them, or do you have a preferred target in this backfield? Uh, I mean, I think I would go with Wilson if he was, uh, you know, cleared to play like that, and that's the way it it shakes out. Um, obviously, not going to do anything with it until we get the the confirmation on that, and then any potential news re- regarding what some of that uh, work might look like. So I will trust whatever sources come out on that if there is any news there, but. Uh, for me, it's about Debo. I think that there's still an outside chance Debo plays even without a single practice this week uh, just because of how important the game is to them and how important he is and how much value he brings when he's on the field. Um, I, I don't think that with his role and the way they use him, I don't think he needs practice at that point at this point in the season, if that makes sense. So um, we'll, we'll watch that. That'll change things pretty drastically. If he is in, I have a ton of interest in using him just because I think they're going to use him as much as they can. Um you know, look, Kittle's in play. Frankly, if if Debo's in play, or even if Debo's not in play, really, I don't hate Garoppolo uh, in, in a tournament here. Um, I, I think that with those running backs in, if they don't have, you know, a, a power running game, I think it makes the game a little bit more competitive. I think he's more likely to throw the touchdowns in than being able to hand the ball to Debo Samuel, frankly. So um, I, I think that he's a sneaky tournament play and stack because you always have some – what project to be contrary and bring backs on the other side. Like, I, I don't think many people are going to play Jamar chase uh, this week. Higgins is there. So I, I think it's a sneaky game to stack. Uh, I think it's going to be competitive and I think it's got, it's one that could potentially shoot out and be very, very high scoring. Yeah. And a really, really important game for both sides here. We don't, you know, see that often, but a non, a non-conference game uh, where, you know, it's, it's, not necessarily a must win, but it's close, close to it for, for both of these teams, the 49ers and the Bengals. Uh, see ya. We had Mike talk about Debo Samuel. If he's in, what if Debo Samuel is out? Do you have interest in going back to a George Kittle, who is now 6,900, or Brandon Ayuk, Ayuk at 5,800? I, I have more interest in George Kittle just because I, I would have thought Brandon Ayuk's uh, number would have fallen here in terms of his, uh, his price. 5,800, he certainly has game-breaking ability, but I think I'd probably just go back to George Kittle because he's clearly going to be the the, the alpha in terms of pass catchers uh, without Debo Samuel. And yeah, I, I think seeing how this Jeff Wilson situation shakes out, I think is really important. doesn't look like Elijah Mitchell's going to play. I'm very interested in Jermichael Hasty if Wilson's not playing. If he is, then I think it's a situation to avoid. But I think Kyle Juszczyk as a flyer might be in play too, maybe if Jeff Wilson isn't playing, but... Uh, I I think Hasty can can do just fine in this offense and get uh, plenty of targets. So that's what I'm interested on that, and it's probably just George Kittle and Jamichael Hasty if he is the the number one running back. And then on the other side, you know, I think the other side is really really interesting. I'm a little worried about Joe Burrow's hand injury, uh, so I'm not as interested on the Cincinnati side. I think T Higgins. It looks like he's being priced up. I, I might this might be a good time to actually go to Jamar Chase. Yeah, Jamar Chase is 6,900, his first time below 7K on DraftKings since way back in Week 7. T. Higgins is 6,400. It's his first time over 6K in terms of salary all season over on DraftKings. Let's go to the Giants at the Chargers. The Chargers are 10-point favorites with a 53-point total here. And, as always for the Giants, everybody is hurt. Daniel Jones is doubtful with that neck injury. Mike Lennon uh, was in a non-contact practice jersey could be cleared from concussion protocol. Kadarius Tony did not practice on Thursday. Sterling Shepard and Kenny Galladay were limited in practice. For the Chargers, Keenan Allen tested positive for COVID earlier in the week, but is vaccinated. He hasn't been ruled out. There's still a chance that he can play. And as a result of that, Mike Williams and cornerback Chris Harris were placed on the COVID list as close contacts. Mike Williams is unvaccinated, so there's a whole lot going on here uh, between the Chargers and this COVID situation. Uh, They basically all still have a chance to play, just we won't really know until uh, later on this weekend. Um, Again, like it's a hard situation for us to talk about now, but Mike, let's just say that Keenan Allen is out in this game and Mike Williams is in. 
Mike Williams is 6K over on DraftKings. And of course, we have some cheaper options with Jalen Guyton, Josh Palmer, Jared Cook. How interested are you in those Chargers pass catchers? I'm mostly interested in the value. I don't think that I would get to Mike Williams if Keenan Allen was out. I think part of Mike Williams' success is predicated on Keenan Allen being on the field and being that threat there. Um, I think that some of that is eliminated. Uh, Some of his upside is eliminated um, because I do think that some of the guys behind him, particularly Josh Palmer and really and Guyton, obviously. Um, I think both of those guys are more than capable of taking some of those targets. I don't think it's all going to be force-fed in the direction of Mike Williams, who, again, I think really benefits from playing alongside of Keenan Allen. And then if Austin Eckler's in and Keenan Allen is out, uh, you can bet that there's going to be a lot of action forced the way of Austin Eckler. So um, that's probably where I would be looking the most. And then my pivot from Eckler would be Alvin Kamara in, in any format, really. But if those guys are out, one of them out, both of them out, it's all in on Josh Palmer and to a little bit lesser of an extent, Jalen Guyton. All right, Sia. Well, what happens if both guys manage to play? If Keenan Allen is in, he has 85 yards or a touchdown in six straight games. Uh, he's priced up to 7,600, but I think that's fair uh, given how great that he's been. So what if they both play? It's fair, but I think the route to success for the Chargers is probably just to run the ball. So I'm really interested in Austin Eckler like Mike is. And, I, you know, I don't think I'm interested in the receivers. He might have said this exact thing, too, uh, unless I'm going with a punt play because one of Mike Williams or Keenan Allen are out. If they're both out, I'm not sure I like either of the punt plays because I just think the passing game in general is going to falter against a giant secondary that, you know, has a couple decent guys. But I think if one of Mike Williams or Keenan Allen are out, I do agree. I think it's it's Josh Palmer for me before Jalen Guyton. Um, you know, I, I, I don't have a super strong stance on that, but I, especially with the Keenan Allen role, I think Josh Palmer simulates that a little bit better than somebody like Jalen Guyton. So that, unfortunately, this is one where we just kind of have to wait and see on the receiver situation. I'm kind of thinking... Mike Williams plays. I mean, I'm I feel like more sure about that than Keenan Allen. It's because Mike Williams hasn't tested positive yet since having that close contact. He can be cleared on Saturday, so we'll definitely know by Saturday if he's in this game. All right. Uh, anything on the Giants side here, Sia? I know that you mentioned Saquon Barkley's name on Tuesday's podcast. He's way down at six K. It's his lowest salary of the season over on DraftKings. Uh, but projected ownership. I mean, checking in at about fifteen percent. That that's. Much higher than I was thinking for Saquon Barkley. Way higher than I was <laughs> thinking. We we I talked about him on Tuesday, and I, I was certain he was going to be under 10% because he's really just not getting a lot of work. He's getting some in the passing game, like old school Saquon is, but he's not getting a lot of rushing attempts because Devin Booker is in there, and he's, he's running pretty well, maybe even better than Saquon Barkley. I still kind of like him. I, I, I'd consider playing him in cash because of the Chargers defense, what they do in terms of pretty much allowing you to, to run the ball. Uh, we'll, we'll have to we'll have to see. I mean, if I, I'd like to monitor the practice reports specifically with respect to Saquon Barkley. He's the only guy on the Giants side I want to play. All right. Last but not least, we have the Lions at the Broncos. The Broncos are 10-point favorites with a 42-point total here in this game. DeAndre Swift, Jamar Jefferson, and TJ Hawkinson all did not practice on Thursday. And then for the Broncos, Bradley Chubb and Melvin Gordon were limited at pro- uh, practice. Melvin Gordon said he does expect to play this week, which obviously throws a little bit of cold water on Javante Williams coming off just a massive performance on Sunday Night Football. 29 touches, 178 total yards, and a touchdown. Uh, Mike, what do you think about Javante? You mentioned his name a few times here, so I imagine you still like him, even with Gordon in. Yeah, I still like him with Gordon in. Uh, if we get the news that he's like actually fully in and going to be right back there, I think Javante, with his performance, is... I mean, he should have earned more of the lion's share of the work. We'll see if that happens with him returning. I think that there's a chance that it will, but we're going to continue to monitor those reports. Um, There's a good chance I'll end up changing and being off there. Um, I think that to that point, I think that's why you're seeing Saquon's ownership tick up just a little bit, because I think that people are likely dropping off of Javante. Um, I like him. Uh, I think he's playable in all formats, frankly. I think the upside he possesses is still very similar. Um, there's a chance that, that Gordon is limited or they just hand him more of the work given the opponent. Um, so I like him, especially if the ownership drops. But outside of that, I don't have much interest in this game other than the running back situation with Javante. And then I would probably be stacking it with the Broncos defense. All right. See, we have 
likely DeAndre Swift going to be out in this game. Jamal Williams was chalk last week. Didn't come through. He had 18 touches, but just was underwhelming in general. He is 5,500 on DraftKings. A fair price tag. Uh, do you have any interest in either Williams, Javante, Jamal, or any of the pass catchers in this game? Josh Reynolds still pretty cheap down there at 4,100. Yeah, Reynolds is cheap, and he kind of got there last week, but his target share wasn't what I thought it would be. Uh, if anybody, if you're going to take a shot at any Lions receiver, which I don't recommend, it would be Amon Ross St. Brown, in my opinion. Uh, I know I don't have interest in Jamal Williams. If he was like 5K flat, I would probably put him in there because of the price, but he's even priced up a little bit more. He was 5400 last week. He's 5500 this week going to Denver. Uh, it's not a good situation for the running game there. Well, for anything related to the Detroit Lions. I agree on Javante Williams. Um, that's one of those things where because they're playing Detroit and because Teddy Bridgewater is not incentivized to throw the ball, which is a good thing for the Denver Broncos, I think you could see Javante and Melvin Gordon getting plenty of rushing attempts throughout this game. So if if you can kind of count on Javante getting somewhere between 12 and 13 touches, which I think is very realistic, then he could absolutely pop for you. The question becomes, how popular does he end up being? If Melvin Gordon plays, it might incentivize me to play Javante Williams a little bit more if that ownership drops a little bit. So that's just something we'll have to monitor. All right. You mentioned that Josh Reynolds kind of got there last week, and that leads us into the Don sneaky picks here in Week 14. He had Josh Reynolds as one of those picks last week, and see ya. He he kind of agrees with you. Josh Reynolds was, was all right. Hello, everybody. This is Don. Last week, Josh Reynolds... Did pretty good, but Jawan Jennings was a total bust. So let's see what happens this week. We're going to start off with Dontrell Hilliard, and the bonus pick will be Russell Gage, and you can take that to the bank. All right, so two players we didn't really we didn't really like when we talked about them, Dontrell Hilliard and Russell Gage, but definitely could be uh, could be sneaky picks this week. See, what do you think, Dontrell Hilliard? I don't, I don't hate it, but we'll have to see what happens with Jeremy McNichols. It's probably not the t- the time to take him. And and I, I mentioned the problem I had with Russell Gage. It's just I, I feel like you're chasing the game script was perfect for Gage last week because they were playing a team that they knew that you, you knew were going to score a ton of points. Uh, he does have a 25% uh, or more target share over the last few weeks. So that's great. He is the third option in that offense. But it's I don't think this is the right game against Carolina's defense at Carolina coming off a bye, I just, I don't see the upside with Russell Gage, whereas I did kind of see it last week. All right, see, well, you might be receiving a phone call sorry, from, Don. The, from the Don, and, and if that happens, I'm sorry, I, I, de- I was not the one who gave him your phone number. The Week 14 Cheat Sheet, our favorite value, Chalk Contrarian, and our Stack of the Week. Mike, we will start with you. All right, let's start with the value play. Uh, it's going to be Josh Palmer for me. I'm pretty confident one of the Chargers receivers, either Keenan Allen or Mike Williams, will be out in this game. So I'm going to play Josh Palmer here. Uh, for my chalk play, I had Javante. I'm pivoting to Tyreek. Uh, I'm going to wait out the news on the Broncos situation there. So Tyreek Hill is going to be my chalk play. Makes a lot of sense. Uh, you know I play the Chiefs most of the time when they're on the slate, but I, I really like them when they're at home in this situation. My contrarian play going to be Mark Andrews at the tight end position, 48 targets in the last five games, uh, almost averaging 10 targets a game, only caught four of them in each of the last two games, I believe, um, which Lamar has been struggling, right? If they're not struggling, I love the upside. I love that number, those number of targets. So um, with Travis Kelsey on the slate, Kittle, Gronk, um, look, I think it's a good time to pivot to Mark Andrews, who definitely will not be as popular as those guys. And then my stack, uh, I do exactly what I tell you I'm going to do. I'm going to play Lamar Jackson to Mark Andrews, uh, projecting Lamar Jackson to be under 3% owned. I think he takes charge and rushes a lot more. And when he's throwing, he's throwing basically to only the two reliable targets on the team. And you could argue there's only one and a half reliable targets, and that starts with Mark Andrews. Yep. So that's my stack. Yeah, Mark Andrews, I love the call. Currently projecting under 5% ownership this upcoming week as well. There's lots of tight ends, and because of that, you know some some of those are, are going to see depressed ownership in this spot. See, how are we looking? Week 14, cheat sheet. Well, I think you, you have to go first because I'm still considering my contrarian play. So you go, and then I'll be ready. All right, all right, no problem. Uh, value play for me is Gerald Everett. Talked about tight ends a lot today, and it's a really good matchup against the Houston Texans. And since Russell Wilson returned, uh, Gerald Everett has a 21% target share. So despite him dropping a touchdown, and he was a mess last week, uh, I do like him at his current cost. Chalk play, it's going to be Alvin Kamara. He's 7,900. 
looking like no Mark Ingram, no Ty Montgomery. Absolute smash of a matchup here going up against the New York Jets. I think he's going to be popular, but for those playing in cash games, uh, you're going to want Alvin Kamara in there. Contrarian play. Amari Cooper, 5,900. I like the price tag, the difference in price between him and CeeDee Lamb. He's been a full go in practice this week. I don't think that he's going to be limited, and I think we could see a potential shootout here uh, between the Cowboys and the Washington football team. And the stack for me, I agree with you. You can play Josh Allen by himself. You could play him naked. But if I'm stacking him with one or multiple of his targets, it's going to be to Stefan Diggs first and then uh, Dawson Knox second. I wouldn't mind playing both of them in the lineup with Josh Allen, bringing it back with a Chris Godwin or a Mike Evans or a Leonard Fournette here in this spot. See ya. How are we looking now? We got it? I think we got it. All right. Um, yeah, so I'm cheating with the value play like I did last week because I couldn't find anybody I loved under 5K. So Jarvis Landry at 5,400, I, I think, is close enough. Um, so that's my cheating answer, uh, Jarvis Landry. Chalk play, Austin Eckler, uh, for a variety of reasons. I think even if the receivers are healthy, I think he's a pretty smart play. My contrarian play actually goes with something, Frank, you just said. And I, I'll admit, I was having trouble finding a contrarian play, but it's uh, Terry McLaurin. I, I just think... I don't think Washington is going to get the benefit of the game scripts that they've gotten over the last four weeks, which is their own doing. That's great for them. But I just feel like they're going to need to pass the ball. And when Taylor Heineke needs to pass the ball, he'll throw to Terry McLaurin in traffic. He doesn't care. It doesn't matter. He thinks Terry McLaurin's going to come down with everything. So I like that as a contrarian play. And then, of course, my stack is going to be Tom Brady to Chris Godwin. Uh, nothing super new on that front. All right. We're going to wrap there. For C and Mike, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Football Today. DFS. We're going to be back on Tuesday to recap all of Week 14's action. Take an early look at Week 15 pricing. We will see you then. 